Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. A couple quick announcements before we get started. I am still in Norway with my wife. We are traveling Norway, eating all types of Scandinavian food, having a great time. And I am documenting our journey, taking lots of pictures and videos and writing some cool blogs about it. If you want to follow along, if you want to follow along our trip, be sure to sign up for the weekly newsletter that I send out. Uh, You can just go directly to the website. That's timstods.com and sign up for the newsletter. There's opt-in forms all over the site. Uh, Up next, Tim Stodd's coaching is really going well. The clients that I'm working with have been seeing tremendous results. I'm working with some brick and mortar clients. I'm working with some strictly web-based clients. My my coaching services are, are highly valuable. And if you are looking to build a business, if you're looking to use the internet and digital marketing services to expand your current business, uh, I encourage you to check out my coaching services. You can find all that information at timstods.com slash coaching. All right, enough with that. My guest today is a gentleman named Joe Apfelbaum. Joe is an entrepreneur. He is an agency owner. Uh, He's also a a really successful touring speaker, and his enthusiasm just poured out of him in this conversation. We we started off talking about uh, something that really turned into like a, a much more deep conversation than I anticipated, but I'm really glad that it did because it was fascinating. Uh, we started the conversation off with his weight loss journey that he has documented and of course transitioned into more of his entrepreneurial journey. But I think you'll find after listening to this episode that just entrepreneurship, health, mindfulness, nutrition, it's all really underneath the same category. If if you're doing one thing right in your life, there's a good chance that you're doing everything right in your life. So I was really happy uh, with how that turned out. And then we we ended this episode talking about some of his more personal specific services, which is LinkedIn coaching. And everybody knows how I feel about social media. Uh, he was very convincing with his viewpoints on LinkedIn. And I, I held true to my word. I got off this episode. I signed up for a LinkedIn account. I'm already starting to make some connections and I'm going to give this a real shot. So I really encourage you to listen to this episode. Uh, stay tuned to and just stay glued to what Joe has to say. He was like so enthusiastic. I, I really, really loved his passion. And without further ado, please help me welcome Joe Apfelbaum. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for coming on my show. I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Snappity dab. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. So uh, what's up? How you doing? How's life? I'm booming. Life is amazing. I'm sitting here watching your photos on, so online on your website. And I'm thinking to myself, you're such a hip person. I <laughs> you think so? 
Yeah, you're so hip. You're like, yo, I'm chilling. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things before, but I don't know if anyone has ever in my entire life called me hip. So <laughs> I think I can call you hip. Yesterday at my seminar, a woman that has a titanium hip came to, to visit us. And the reason I know she has a titanium hip is because I asked a question. I said, what is one thing that most people don't know about you that's not written in your LinkedIn profile as an icebreaker? Yeah. Um, and it was very powerful to see the things that people said about them. That is interesting. What is one person, one thing that people don't know about me? I, I guess I would probably say that I am an avid Calvin and Hobbes fan. I don't even know what that is. Calvin and Hobbes, are you serious? The cartoon with the little kid and the tiger, the little comic strip? Uh, no, I never really watched comics. Oh, man. You, you, well, it's, it's a comic strip, um, so it's like uh, books. But yeah, when we get out of here, I'll send you, I'll send you a Calvin and Hobbes book. It'll, it'll change your life, man. It's like the deepest, most, most profound stories with just this, really? this little kid and his, his imaginary friend, Tiger. It's awesome. Uh, what's that little tiger with the red balloon called? What I do don't you know. Think? Winnie the Pooh. It's not a tiger. It's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> a tiger that looks like a bear called. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, I checked out some of your stuff and it seems like you and I have a whole lot in common. Um, I'm, I, I'm gonna definitely going to get through all of that and i want to hear about your story and, and your experience especially with your agency and some of the work that you're doing personally with your clients but i thought a cool place to start off especially because before we started recording i, I kind of gave you a little bit about my life and and my fitness and i saw on your site that you're pretty open about um the weight loss goals that you hit and and some of the challenges in your life and man i think that is such a cool subject to talk about because so many people obviously in our country deal with that and even though it's so prevalent not a lot of people are, are as open about it as i wish they were because i find that like those kind of stories make it less intimidating for other people so just just kind of open-ended question man like like tell me about that tell me a little bit about your journey with your health so for me i was always overweight i always battled with my my weight because my mother used to pay me to eat have you ever had somebody pay you to eat never <laughs> Eat, pay you to eat so she used to pay me she'd like to finish my second plate and she would always say if you want to be strong you got to eat a lot and you got to eat a lot of rice and meat and potatoes and stuff that make you strong lots mm -hmm. of ass and so you know growing up this is the training that i had so i would eat as much as possible for me eating a lot was about abundance about making money about being successful about adding value the more you eat the more value you add but my waist kept getting larger and I kept getting more overweight and more overweight and more overweight and I just thought I had big bones. I had a lot of beliefs around what it meant to be overweight and you know a lot of it was lack of awareness but if I thought about it and somebody asked me they're like whatever you know I'm just I'm just a fat person. Some people have good genes, some people have fat genes. My mother's overweight, my father's overweight. That's that's it. My brother's overweight. Everyone I know is overweight. They're just my grandparents were overweight. I'm going to be overweight. My kids are going to be overweight and that's life. Mm. Right? I had my moments when I was a teenager when I went to Israel and Johannesburg and a bunch of other places and I lost a lot of weight and I was skinny, you know, and my mother's like, you're emaciated. You went to Africa and you're emaciated. I'm like, I went to South Africa, ma. It's a normal, regular country. No one's emaciated there. I'm not emaciated. I was just, you know, exercising and having a good time and not eating too much. So she's like, no, you, I got to start feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, feeding you. And so I, I got to a level of 265 pounds. 
don't know if you've ever been 265 pounds. What's the max weight you've ever been? Oh, geez. When I was not running a lot, lifting heavy, and even taking like muscle building supplements, most I ever got was 182. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. And why do you think that's the case? Probably because you didn't eat as much as I ate. Yeah, probably. I got to think it's kind of straightforward, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so most people don't realize this, but there are actually secrets that I had to learn in order for me to lose the weight and keep it off. So over the past six years, I went on a weight loss journey. I got really serious about losing weight because I realized that if I continue this way, you know, I'm not going to be able to live the life that I want to live. I didn't have any energy to play with my kids. I had no energy for my business. I did grow one of the fastest growing companies in America, but I felt like I felt like something was lacking. So when I started public speaking, I started looking at myself physically and I started realizing, okay, something needs to change. I need to change. I need to transform my body. So I started doing research. Is it even possible to do that? And it turns out that your body is 80% water. Well, my body was 80% Snapple. <laughs> I was drinking Snapple and I didn't know that Snapple is making me fat because yep. it's made from what? What's it made from? The best. Sugar. The stuff. best stuff on earth. The yeah. best stuff on earth, right? They're the good advert. Natural flavor. Look, it's a natural flavor. It must be healthy. No, natural flavor means it tastes natural, but it's a chemical. I didn't know these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that sugar equals fat. I thought sugar gives you energy. And I thought that fat equals fat. But the truth couldn't be further from that. And most people don't know this. When I tell this to people, they freak out. Your body's 80% water. A 5% drop in hydration is a 30% drop in energy. Your body needs water to remove the fat from your body. Really? The reason why people stay fat even though they go on diets is because they don't have enough fluid in their body to get rid and flush the fat out? Like, wow, this is crazy. I can't believe it. I can't believe that fat deposits leave from your urine. I didn't know this. And so when I started doing this, I started drinking water. I instantly lost 10 pounds. And I was like, wow, that was the easiest thing ever. I stopped drinking Snapple. I started drinking water and I lost 10 pounds. And then I said, what else? What else can I do to lose another 10 pounds? So I realized that sugar, rice, potatoes, and pasta were basically there to create fat cells in your body if you don't use them. And I was eating excessive amounts of sugar, flour, rice, potatoes, and pasta. So I said, okay, for 90 days, I'm going to cut this out. And guess what? I lost another 10 pounds. I actually lost 17 pounds when I did that. I was going to say probably more. 17 pounds within 90. I said, let me do this for 90 days. I lost 20 more pounds after 90 days. And I'm like, oh my God, my clothing are not fitting me anymore. My size 42 stretch pants is too big. I need to get a smaller pair of pants. And so I started doing research and I found out there are many different factors that make you fat. And it's not how much you eat because I could eat unlimited amounts of lettuce. I'm not going to gain weight. I could eat unlimited amounts of certain foods and I'm not going to gain as much weight as if I just eat one bagel. If I eat one bagel, your body will take that bagel and turn it into a blob of fat in your body. But if you eat 16 heads of lettuce, your body's not turning that into fat. It's just not going to happen. You're going to make a lot of duty because it has a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fiber <laughs> to clean your body. And you're probably going to get a stomach ache and you might get some issues from all the, the green stuff that's in it. You can't overdo the green stuff. It's important to have green stuff, but everything needs a balance. If you drink too much water, it eliminates your electrolytes and you die, physically die if you drink too much water. So you got to have the right balance of water, the right balance of what you're doing. But carbs, you don't need carbs. Your body doesn't need carbs unless you're running a marathon, unless you want tremendous amounts of energy and you need to use fast energy. But if you want to use slow energy that burns longer, right, the difference between oil and wax, 
oil takes longer to burn. So the question is, what, what do you do? What do you do? How do you do this? What is the secret to higher energy? And the answer is, number one is your consumption, and number two is your production. So what is consumption? I talk about this in a book I wrote called High Energy Secrets, How I Lost 95 Pounds and Kept It Off, because people kept asking me, Joe, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? I said, let me write my thoughts in a book. And in 10 days, I wrote a book, published it on Amazon. And whoever wants to read it, it's 90 pages. You could just read my story. But you know, like I had to realize that 80% of it was mindset. A lot of people don't talk about this, but mindset, yeah. first of all, skill set, knowing the skills of how to lose weight is important. But then I had a lot of beliefs, a lot of beliefs around, oh, I wouldn't be happy if I lost weight. I'd lose my personality. Have you ever heard somebody say that? A lot of people that are overweight think that f happiness comes from food. Where do you think happiness comes from? I think for me, happiness comes from like progress, like always trying to do better. I, I find that I'm most happy when I'm challenged. Yeah, and, a lot of, and that's what most people, most people want progress in their life. It's a spiritual need. I can tell you're more spiritual, but a lot of people want comfort. You know, a lot of people want to feel comfortable. They want to feel secure, and food gives them that comfort. You ever heard of the term comfort food? Of course. Comfort food, low-weight food. Is it nutritious food? No, it's usually delicious food. It's usually high-weight food. It's usually French fries, deep-fried French fries with cheese on it. And drizzle. Put a little drizzle in your shizzle. That's wow, what, you're really good at that. <laughs> yeah. So the question is, what, why, how do people lose? What do you need to do to really lose the weight? And the answer is you need to lose the ideas. You need to lose the ideas that you've been taught, the self-limiting beliefs, the habits that keep you locked in to where you are right now. And the same thing goes with making money. The same thing goes with keeping your love life. The same thing goes with your spirituality. It's for your health too. It's beliefs. We have, we're, our bodies are, are machines that are, most of it is just autonomous. Things just happen automatically. When you see a bag of Oreos, you have a decision to make. Should I eat the Oreo? Should I not eat the Oreo? You might decide, you know, I'm not supposed to eat the Oreo because I'm on a diet, but I'm going to eat the Oreo. But just because you decided to eat the Oreo doesn't mean you should eat the whole bag of Oreos. Mm. And that doesn't mean you should go to the store and buy six more bags and smoke marijuana and then go crazy with the munchies, eating all six bags of Oreos in one sitting and then vomiting after. <laughs> or whatever it is some people do sometimes. So the bottom line is that Oreos are going to make you fat. So what does the automatic system decide automatically? Should I eat it or not? And that's depending on what you believe it means to eat it. If you believe that you're going to be depressed and you're going to get pain from not eating it, then you're not going to eat it right? That you're going to get pain from not eating it, you're going to eat it. If you get pain from eating it, then you're going to... So it's like, a, like a, a dog that gets a treat, right? You can give a dog a treat. What do you give the dog? You give, you give the dog something, something when it does something good, right? Mm -hmm. Pleasure. And it knows if it does, jumps over the hoop, it's going to get a little candy. And it gets a candy, gets a candy, gets a candy, does it 21 times. And now the dog is trained. It is a habit. You can train your own dog. Train your own dog in your brain to create habits and override the habits in the past. Can you rewire a dog's habits? Of course. You can rewire a dog. You can rewire a computer. You can rewire software in your brain. And you create physical structures in your side of your brain. You create physical structures called habits. And those things are just basically there automatically taking action on, on your behalf. So I, people say, I don't have the willpower to lose weight. You don't need willpower. What you need is to have a conviction to create certain habits to create more awareness around what habits you need to create 
And I used to say salads are for wimps. Think about that. Salads are for wimps. I'm a mm. man. Yeah. I eat burgers and French fries and fried chicken. I'm a fat man, not just a man. I'm a fat man. Like I had beliefs. And those beliefs were fortified inside me growing up from my environment, from my nature, from watching other people, from TV, from my, like all the environment, mainly the environment. Now, the question is, do you want to have a life that's based on your environment or do you want to have a life that's based on what you create for yourself? You have the choice. You have the choice to create. Most people don't know that they have the choice to create. Most people literally just live their life and they hope for the best. That's literally what they do. They live. They're, most people are literally living their life and they're hoping for the best. Hope is a great thing. I always say this, by the way. I say this to everybody. Is hope a good thing or a bad thing? It's a great thing. I agree with you. Yeah. I think, I think hope, I think per, my personal opinion on hope, on luck, on all this thing is that hope is a great thing. Luck is a great thing. It's just not a great strategy. It's not a great plan. If you say, I'm going to rely on luck to make money today, chances are your luck's going to run out. What you want to do is you want to rely on your hard work, you want to rely on your strategy, and you want to actually have a plan that you can execute on. What is your plan to lose weight? What is your weight loss plan? But not just to lose it and be on the yo-yo diet. You know what the yo-yo diet is? Yeah, of course. Up and down, back and forth. Up and down, back and forth, up and down, back and forth. And most people are on the yo-yo diet. And yo-yo diet in their life, yo-yo diet in their business, they make money and lose it. Yo-yo diet on their relationships, they marry one person, they lose it, they marry the next one, they lose it, they marry the next one, they lose it. And if they don't lose it, they abuse it, right? <laughs> so the question is, what are you, you going to do not to abuse your body? What are you going to do to have a better life? And for me, the answer is very simple. The answer is, I'm going to have an actual strategy. So it starts with a water strategy. What's your mm -hmm. water strategy? Then it starts with a... What are the things that you're forbidden from eating? What are the things that you're absolutely not allowed to eat? Completely, absolutely. What are the things you're not allowed to eat? What are the ingredients you're not allowed to have in your body? Sugar, flour, rice, potatoes, and pasta, hint, 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 right? And then once you know that, then what's going to be like, how are you going to keep your energy up? And the answer is you want high vibes. We were talking about exercise before. You want high vibes? Move your body in a high energy, fast way. And you're going to get more of that high energy. You're going to build more muscle and you're going to have muscle memory. And you're going to, like, I used to hate running. I used to hate walking. Well, after this, right after this podcast that we're doing, I'm going to go for a three-mile run. And it's going to be one of the most enjoyable things that I do. I love going for a seven-mile walk. Wouldn't you want to go for a seven-mile walk with me and just talk? It's great. I love moving. Moving. Moving and shaking. But when you're overweight, when you're 265 pounds, everything's a struggle. Everything's a struggle. So now yeah. I run circles around my kids. I jump up and down like a maniac, but it was never that way in the past. I did not have that, and I wanted that. See, when I wanted, when I had the wrong reason to lose weight, when I had the wrong reason to lose weight, you know what happened? I didn't do it. So it starts with a purpose. Know what your my purpose is my children, and I wanted to have higher levels of energy. It starts with a powerful purpose. And so what is your, I would ask myself, what is my purpose? Why do I want to lose the weight? Why do I want to take charge of my business? Why do I want to take charge of my love life? Why do I want to take charge of my spirituality? Why? Because if you don't have that answer, you're not going to end up taking action because we're motivated by reasons. Humans are reason-making machines. And if you don't have empowering reasons or disempowering reasons will, called excuses, we'll just chime in. I can obviously feel the passion and enthusiasm you have for this. And I love it. I, I really appreciate it. There's kind of a whole lot to 
unpack in what you just said, the first thing I want to address simply because diet and nutrition and almost like the science of food, um, I definitely want to, you know, get, get further on with, with your agency and some of the other work that you do, but almost just for my own selfish reasons that I enjoy talking about this. So are you just, um, completely keto? Are you just on a high fat diet? Do you not think about it too hard? Do you give yourself like a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of wiggle room? Um, are you, you, you mentioned systems a lot. I, I can tell that you're kind of like a, a measurable, a measurable guy. Do you track your macronutrients? Do you, do you just have a regimen or do you give yourself flexibility? When I was on a mission to lose a serious amount of weight, it was my main focus, right? When, you're, when you have your main priority for the next 90 days and your main priority is your health, then you measure everything. Yeah, yeah. You measure your water intake every 15 minutes, every 20 minutes. You measure the vitamins that you take. You measure how many calories you inputted. You measure the ingredients in every single thing that you do. You're obsessive. You obsess over it. And when you obsess over something, you end up getting results. That's the fact. I'm not saying that somebody should obsess for the rest of their life, but get to your weight goal, to your goal weight or your goal range. Decide where your range is. My range is 165 to 175. That's my current range. I'd like to be on the side of the 165 because if I get to the side of 175, the range will become 185. Yeah. I got to get to the range of 165 and then I'll get between 165 and 170. I'll try to stay in that range. So the, real, the, the thing I tell people is for me, once I finish and I get to that, then I move on to the next goal. My goal is not necessarily, my goal is to maintain and condition myself because you need conditioning, but I don't measure stuff anymore. I'm done measuring all that stuff. Cool. I measure what I want to improve. I don't need to improve that right now. I'm just measuring my weight every day. It's a habit. I get out of bed. I measure my weight. I make sure that I drink a certain amount of water each day. So I'm always, I always have a bottle of water with me and I know how many bottles I drank or how many mm -hmm. times I refilled my water bottle. And so I keep track of that. Um, but for the most part, it's all about the choices I make. So if I'm going to go to an event, yesterday I went to an event, I ate salad. I could have eaten like 16 slices of pizza because that's how many were left over. But I chose to eat salad and I ate a tuna wrap. Now, does a tuna wrap have carbs? Yes, it has carbs because the wrap has a lot of carbs in it. But I decided I'm still going to eat it anyway because I chose, I, you know, I, 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 I do a lot of intermittent fasting. Have you heard of intermittent fasting? Yeah, of course. And I've, I, I, Again, I think the science behind intermittent fasting is really, really fascinating. Um, I've always wanted to try it myself. I guess people look at me, and I'm not trying to be too open here, or like emotional about it. But you know, people say like, "Oh God, you're so thin! Like you're so lucky that you have those genes." And I work out a lot, but I've always kind of been on the the thinner side that I wanted to be, and so I've been afraid to try the intermittent fasting. Um, because one of the side effects is, is weight loss, but like in terms of your mental clarity, um, and you know, some of the other like positive side effects of intermittent fasting, like I've always wanted to try, I think it would be so cool. The crazy thing about intermittent fasting is that you won't necessarily lose weight. You'll lose fat. It's, there's a difference. You, sure. You're exercising while you're fasting, your body's going to prioritize your muscle over the fat. Yes. That's the reality of it. So as long as you, during the times that you do eat, you eat a significant amount of like proteins and vegetables and things that will help you be able to build muscle and give you energy, you're just going to burn the excess fat that you have lying around in your body and you're still going to continue to build muscle, even if you intermittent fast. So I don't, you know, in terms of being worried about it, no one's suddenly going to lose a tremendous amount of weight 
from intermittent fasting. You're not suddenly going to lose a tremendous amount of weight. If you're super fat, you're going to lose fat. That's what's yeah. going to happen. And if you're skinny, you're probably not going to lose a tremendous amount of, of weight. But again, test it out. See what happens. Do it for a week. Do it for two weeks and then weigh yourself every day. But also during the times that you are feeding, the six hours a day that you are feeding, or the four hours, depending on how many hours you want to be feeding, mm -hmm. those are the times that you eat the right things in the right amounts. And if you do that, your body's going to process that better. There's a hormone called the IGF-1 hormone that your body uses to get rid of the bad cells in your body when you're fasting. So it takes all the cells that are no good and it basically gets rid of them. So in between meals, I'm not, I'm not, you know, in between my fasting periods, when I, from when I go to sleep to when I get up, I'm obviously not eating. And when I get up, I usually drink water. And then usually till noon or so, today I'm not going to eat anything till 1230. I have a 12:30 meeting in the city and that's what I'm going to eat. I'm going to break my fast then. So think about it from 10 p.m. or uh, when was the last time I ate something? Probably let's say 10 p.m. till, till 12 p.m. That's, that's uh, 14 hours. I haven't eaten anything. I'm probably not going to end up eating till, till for 16 hours or so. So that's, that's really the idea. The idea is understanding, um, understanding where you get your energy from. People think they get their energy from food. You get your energy from having clean cells, from having hydrated, clean cells because your cells are just made up of water and fat and some, some other stuff, some electrolytes, some minerals and stuff. So that, the key is for you to make sure that you're eliminating waste, and that's where you're going to get a tremendous amount of energy. If you have clean cells or happy cells. That's really cool. I, I will definitely give it a shot, and I'll, I'll send you an email afterwards to let you know how it goes. Terry Crews, I remember him talking about intermittent fasting, and he said something about it that really stuck out to me. Um, yeah where even though like he does it for his body composition and, and the health benefits and stuff, uh, I think it was an interview with Tim Ferriss maybe, he talked about how one of the biggest benefits he gets with intermittent fasting is like this, you, you mentioned spirituality before, and I think everybody can agree that food has a spiritual component to it. And he just talked about um, the focus and the level of like, connection that it gives him because no matter what at any day like the food is not claiming ownership over him and like he's kind of claiming ownership on his decisions and his food and being mindful of all the call it pressures or distractions or just the thousand decisions that we have to make every day about like should I eat this should I try this hey you want to you want to try this you want to go get a cup of coffee with me real quick and it's just eliminates all of that and it frees up so much of his mind to focus on for him like he, he was ha, has a new furniture business that he was building that he was excited about at the interview and I think he was selling like some paintings of football players that he was getting some recognition on but but I I remember hearing that and thinking like yeah that makes a lot of sense it it eliminates a lot of those decisions that you have to make so that while you're in I don't know the the zone or while you're in flow like you, you can just be all in yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's very cool. powerful. Yeah, well, look, I, I really didn't anticipate the conversation to go that way, but I'm I'm really glad it did. I think that stuff is cool. Uh, I write about it in my book, High Energy Secrets. So if anybody wants to to hear it or to to see all the tips, I have it all there. Yeah, I will most definitely link that up in the show notes for you. So, I, up next, I always love speaking to people that run agencies because I think it's hysterical where running a big agency is is 
kind of looked at as like a cool thing to do. You know, there's this whole entrepreneurial craze and it's, it's all about hustling and, and getting new clients. But what nobody ever talks about when running agencies is the client services side of things like dealing with clients, chasing invoices, managing expectations. And it just always makes me laugh when we're, we're so eager to look at the real flashy, you know, kind of Instagram side of that whole lifestyle. And we're totally don't, don't like to talk about all the real hard work and the late nights and some of the more grinding out, um, kind of work that comes with that lifestyle. So first off, just tell me about Ajax Union, the work that you guys do. And then second, if you could, like, I want to hear what your experience with, with being involved in that kind of work for so long has been. Ajax Union is a digital marketing agency based in Brooklyn, New York. And our goal is to help B2B companies generate more revenue by providing them with funnels by providing them with strategy, by providing them with the things that they need in order for them to be successful. So most companies don't have a strategy. Most companies don't have a funnel built out. They don't have at the top of the funnel campaign with lead magnets, email automations, landing pages. They don't have the right technology. So we help people nurture leads and drive more business from the traffic they're getting from their website. We've been around for 11 years, serviced over 1,100 companies. And that's our, that's our thing. Our thing is a very powerful way for us to, to help people and to make a difference for people. And now we're focusing on LinkedIn. We have a course called Social Selling where we're helping people um, sell on social media, social selling without a G at the end. So it's social selling without a G. Got it. Um, and it's just, for us, it's about how do we add value? You know, a lot of people want to learn. So we decided to do that. But, you know, most, most company, B2B companies, they just don't have a strategy. They don't have a marketing plan. So we do that. We'll create a marketing plan. That's the idea. How, how do you guys, from a technical standpoint, so my agency, I would consider us an SEO agency. Um, just the kind of industry that we're in, the end result is usually always phone calls. And our experience has been that these particular clients convert best when they're Googling or they're searching for something to kind of solve their problem. And then they call because they, they need help. But from the short clip that you just said, it sounds like you guys probably do a lot of paid search and you run it to, like you said, top of the funnel landing pages, and then probably have like a, a set of autoresponders or a set of logics that, that can convert on that. W would you consider yourself like a paid media agency? Are you Social first, what do you guys kind of focus on? We're not a tactic-focused agency. So we're very selective with who we work with. Cool. We're very specific on, number one, is what is your strategy? Who are your clients? What's your messaging? We brand you properly. Once we have that, then we say, okay, what assets do you need for you to be successful? What does your business marketing logic need to look like? How do we, what is your, your buyer's um, journey? What does that need to look like? And what are the touch points that a potential prospect needs to have? So we build all that out. And then once we're, all the, we're done with all that logic, then we say, okay, what's the, where are your customers hanging out? Is it social? Is it email? Is it, P, is it PR? Is it PPC? Is it SEO? Where do people spend the most time? And that's where we're usually going to go. So we not only convert the traffic that's already coming to your website into leads that are qualified leads that are nurtured properly through email automation, but we also help you get additional traffic using the medium that is best for your business. For some people, it's Facebook advertising. For other people, it's organic LinkedIn. 
For other people, it's PPC. And for some people, it's SEO. So we're not tactic-based. We used to be tactic-based and said we were an SEO company with no strategy. Mm. But we realized that tactics are, are great and it's good to find a good company to do tactics for you, but only you have to have a good, solid strategy. Yeah, I'm, I'm very aligned with that kind of thinking. It's even when people call us and they kind of say like, well, what do you do and how much is it going to cost? It's funny because there's, I don't want to say there's like an assumption because I don't think, I think people are just trying to get straight to the point. But at, at the same time, I think that especially on B2B, there's a lack of maybe appreciation for how, how individualized every business and every marketing campaign and their particular needs are going to be. So for Stadzi, that's, that's the name of my company. We decided early on that like, we weren't going to have set package rates. Like we want to treat every single campaign individually with the demographic and, you know, with the area and some of the competitive keywords with, within that location. And I, I think that's the way to go. Um, I go back and forth a little bit from just simply like a, a business model standpoint, because you do say like, man, sometimes it would be so much easier just to kind of have like set rates and not have to have these, these conversations all the time. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I do feel like the best way to serve and service people is by listening to them first and foremost, and then figuring out like exactly what it is that we need and then sort of working backwards to, to solve that problem. Yeah. That's cool. So 11 years, that's a long time to be in an agency. I, I always kind of think that <laughs> that seven years, which is how long we've been open. Like I'm, I'm really, really proud of that. And I like to hang my hat on that, but 11 years, that's impressive. You must have like a, a really strong team. Yeah, it wasn't always that way, but we do have a strong team now. And I believe that it's, our team is, is a powerful team that works together and helps people out. And ultimately, in order for you to be successful, it's all about your people. That's the key. You got to have good people in order, to, in order to do the right thing. But the people have to be aligned with the customers as well. So that's the, that's the key thing here. The key thing is having a good team, having a good group of customers that you can support, that can support you. And that's the power of having a proper company. Do you still work on kind of the boots on the ground level? Do you still actively manage some of these campaigns or have you sort of just put yourself in a position where you can work on the business and, and not so much in the business? Yeah. When I started the company, the, my, my, my whole purpose was me not doing the actual work. Um, and that's, that's helped me tremendously because yeah. you know, I'd be a freelancer and I would do everything. And so I, when they stopped doing the work, I realized, oh my gosh, I just need to sell other people's time and that's how I can build a multi-million dollar business because otherwise my time is limited. Yeah, that, that, was a lot, that was a strong lesson for me to learn as well. Like it, I think it's a strong lesson for every new business owner to learn and a lot of it has to go with sort of just being comfortable with, with letting go of control, right? But, but uh, yeah, like getting out of the way and just kind of trusting in your people and trusting in the process. I've, I've gotten a lot better at that over the years and it sounds like you have as well. Yeah. It's very, very powerful to take a step back and realize that you don't have to just work harder. You can work smarter too and add more value. And that's yeah. the key is add more value. 
Um, so for me, that's what I want to see. I want to see adding massive value. The more value I can, I can add, the better off I am. That's great. I love your message. Um, so when we first started talking, you mentioned that you were doing, doing a, a public speaking event. And public speaking is something that I have been asked numerous times to do because like my, my SEO uh, experience is within a, a very particular niche. And so I, I have like a really certain specific skill set with that. And like many other people, the thought of like getting in front of large groups of people and, and I still do it. I, I push myself to do it and like I prepare probably more than I need to um, just because that, that whole thing is like so full of fear for me and, and for a lot of people. But with your personality talking to you, I would imagine that you uh, do really well within, within the spotlight. So my first question, do you enjoy the public speaking? Is that like the next chapter of, of Joe's life, of Joe's mission, of Joe's career? And then I, I always want to hear about like some of the, the stories that you learn when you relate to people on such like a personal one-in-one level, if, if any of those come to mind? So for me, I was always afraid of public speaking. Um, growing up, I was always afraid. It was really scary to do public speaking. And I needed to learn the art of public speaking. And the only time I ever got the opportunity to really take it seriously is when I was reached out by Google and they said, Joe, um, would you like to do talks on behalf of Google? We'd like to, we are looking for certified. We're looking to create certified Google trainers. And I was like, Oh my goodness! <laughs> right? I need to do this, but I'm scared. What should I do? So I had to overcome my self-limiting beliefs, and I had to figure out how to do it. And I was scared, but I had courage, and I did it anyway. A lot of people paid for my first seminar, and then I did a second one, third one, fourth one, fifth one. And after training ten thousand business owners, I got pretty good at it. They say you get good at what you do often. Right, So I've done hundreds of seminars, trained tens of thousands of people. And as a result, I realized that this expressing myself through public speaking is one of the most enjoyable things that I can do. So this last year I did 50 speaking engagements. This year I'm going to do another 50 speaking engagements. And I joined the National Speakers Association. I'm a professional paid public speaker. And I really enjoy speaking to groups of entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, salespeople, managers, executives at companies to be able to help people get outside of their comfort zone, add more value. And the past probably 12 speaking engagements have been all about LinkedIn. People want to learn about LinkedIn. Well, that's a great, okay. That's a great kind of next subject to talk about because even before we started recording, uh, you said that you couldn't find my LinkedIn profile. And I, I told you that I, that I didn't have one and that I thought that was probably a mistake. What are your thoughts on social media kind of as a whole, but more specifically, give, give us like a few tips and a few good reasons why optimizing and managing your LinkedIn profile is a good idea because I, I still struggle with seeing how it would be a, a good use of my time. And I'm leaning more and more towards it being something that I want to kind of invest in with my own business and call it personal brand. But I I don't know. And so I, I want to hear what some of the benefits of doing that are. So the main benefit of using Google, uh, using LinkedIn, I should say, is that you get to network. That's the main benefit of it. Um, I don't know if networking is important to your business or if you do any networking. Have you ever done any like 
one-on-one networking with people or one-on-many networking groups? Oh yeah, of course. It's probably like the, uh, the thing that I would bank most of my salesmanship on is I've, I've never had a problem just going up to people and talking to them. So I, I think, I think networking and building relationships is probably the single most important thing that I do. Right. So if you think about the idea of networking and building relationships, that's what LinkedIn's all about. LinkedIn's about networking and building relationships with people that want to network. People on Facebook don't want to network. People on Instagram don't want to network. People on LinkedIn are there to network. So if you're looking to meet networking-friendly professionals that are generating on average more than $75,000 a year in personal income, CEOs, decision makers, influencers, has the most millionaires from any other platform. And 65% of people log in every single day. 40% of people log in every day. There's 610 million members. So 57% of people are logging in from their cell phone and the average CEO has 930 connections. So the question I have for you is if relationships are important to your business and you're not on LinkedIn, the question is why? Why are you not on LinkedIn? And the answer is probably because you don't know that LinkedIn is a tool that helps you build relationships. <clears throat> Excuse me, yeah. That could be why. And also, I'm excited to hear what your response to this would be because I, I'll tell you what the reason why I got kind of turned off from it is it seemed like every day I was just being approached by people that were sort of blind pitching me on some idea in my inbox. And I, I couldn't figure out if there was a way to kind of filter that. I couldn't figure out if that was something that I just sort of needed to deal with and and accept as just an unfortunate part of this like amazing platform. So, so yeah, like talk me through that one. Is, is LinkedIn just full of, of those sort of spam bots? Like, hey, thank you so much for the connection. Please check out my book. You know, I can't tell you how many of those inbox messages I got. Okay, thank you for joining me. Please check out my book. You know, a lot of people are, are, are selling on LinkedIn because they don't know how to use LinkedIn. But most people are not selling on LinkedIn. Most people are not. So if you have a thousand connections, maybe two or three will sell you on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I tolerate two or three people selling me. You're not going to have out of a thousand, a thousand people selling you or even 20 or even 30, but you might get annoyed from just a few <laughs> yeah. um, you're going to get. But that's, a, you know, do you get, some people say, I don't go to networking events because I hate that some people sell me at a networking event. I'd rather not even go to a networking event. No, I guess I would expect them to. If, if somebody didn't try to tell me about like their new idea, I would feel like, what was the point of me coming here? I came here to learn about new ideas. Right, right. And that's the point. The point is, how do you, how do you communicate to people in a proactive way that you're there to build a relationship? And the answer, I always tell people, the answer is, is literally learning about other people. Just like in real life, you want to learn about other people. On LinkedIn, you want to learn about other people and build a real relationship. So the key is learning about other people, building a real relationship, and that's what LinkedIn's about. LinkedIn's about building real relationships with real people. It's very powerful. I even wrote that down. I think that's, I think that's a, a real great mindset to go into this with. And I can't make a commitment that I'm going to do this intermittent fasting because I'm going to Norway for two weeks in about four days and like I'm not ready to do that. But I can commit that I will go back into LinkedIn because you've sold me on this process and I'm going to do it with this open-ended mindset about just learning about other people because 
because I, I believe that that is really the secret to like any relationship. You, you listen first, you learn first. And, and I, I suppose that I wasn't kind of taking my own advice from in, in this more digital platform. So, so I'm going to give it a shot, man. And I'll, I'll send you some links as, as proof that I did it. And, and hopefully I can use it to further myself. And I always tell people, spend 15 minutes a day on LinkedIn. Commit to spending 15 minutes a day posting something once a day and then engaging with people for a few minutes and then sending a few messages to people that you want to build a relationship with. And if you can post, engage, and message every single day on LinkedIn, it's a powerful, powerful way for you to stay connected, add value, make a difference for other people, and then just network. That's what I want to see. I want to see people networking. I want to see people building real relationships. That's what I want to see. Now, people are afraid to do that. They have fear. I have people, why are you not posting on LinkedIn? Well, I'm not posting on LinkedIn because I, I don't know what to post or I don't have time or whatever it is. But ultimately, it's not because of that. It's because they have a tremendous amount of fear. And fear stands for false evidence that appears real. So if you're scared of posting on LinkedIn, take a step back and ask yourself, why am I afraid? And then write it down, label it, put it in a bottle, and then work with that fear and the more you work with the fear, the more you start, the fear starts to disappear. And that's really the key here. The key is get your fear to disappear. That's what you want. You want to try to figure out, okay, how do I make my fear disappear? That's what, that's what gets me excited, to teach people how to do that and to see people doing that actively on a regular basis. Yeah, that, is, that is like a really great approach to take. And, and I, I appreciate that message. And and I'm going to give it a shot. I, I promise you, I'll give it a shot. And I'll, I'll shoot you an email and we'll have a good time with it. So, so look, Joe, thank you so much once again. Um, for those that are listening, I, I literally reached out to Joe about two days ago and he was kind enough to take this interview on, on real short notice to help me out because I'm going out of town. I got a, a tremendous amount of value from listening to you. I can feel that mission in speaking to you that you're just trying to add value to people's lives. I think that's really awesome and, and really commendable. Uh, before we sign off, I want to make sure everybody knows where they can find you, uh, where they can kind of pick up your, your course or some of the products that you may have had. Um, just, just tell people where they can find you and where they can find your work. So the easiest place to find me is to look for me on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's Joe. <laughs> Uh, I'm also on Facebook. I'm on, I'm literally on all the major platforms on social media. So go find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. You can find my personal website at joeapfelbaum.com. And if you want to learn about LinkedIn, we have a course called Social Selling, socialselling.com. And you get access to hours and hours and hours of webinars and frameworks and cheat sheets and checklists and all the stuff that you need to learn to go from a lurker to an influencer to literally go from an order taker to a rainmaker in just 15 minutes a day. I love it, man. Once again, thank you so much for your time. I had a really great time talking to you. I, I hope that, that we can keep in touch and, and maybe do this again. All right, cool. Thank you very much. We'll be in touch. All right, Joe. See you, man. Goodbye. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. 
feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.